Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Bethlehem Church Podcast, where our goal is to offer you compelling biblical content to equip you to live an empowered Christian life. Each week, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Matt Robinson, or another member of the Bethlehem team. We also host a conversation every week where we unpack different facets of Sunday's message. We're so excited about this message, and we hope it's a blessing to you. Let's jump in. So as we move to this week, uh, week number two, uh, we're going to focus on chapter two. And the story, uh, man, I tell you what, the tide turns uh, in an incredible way. Um, And so uh, thinking about where we're coming from, from chapter one, uh, Orpah um, leaves and goes back to her homeland. Naomi through uh, tells Ruth to, to, to leave and go back to her homeland. Um, but Ruth decides to stay with Naomi, decides that she will be loyal to her no matter what. In these famous verses in chapter 1, uh, verse number 16, Ruth replied, Don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you from me. And I want to draw your attention to, and your God will be my God. Uh, And then they return to Bethlehem, Judah. Uh, Once again, Naomi wanting to return as Mara, as bitter, her name meaning pleasant. Now I am a bitter old woman, if you will. Um, And that's where we are entering into chapter 2. So let's read read chapter 2 together. And if you have your Bibles, uh, turn there, Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side. And he was a prominent man of noble character from Elimelech's family. His name was Boaz. So this man named Boaz enters the story for the first time. And I want you to notice that he was a member of Elimelech's family. Um, Once again, we're going to see providence at work. We're going to see God working in this situation without being named. And and that's what I want you to really see as we do this study. uh, Know that whatever challenges we sang about it during worship, you're facing, the Lord is there, the Lord is working, and he wants to be a part of that. And, and, you know, I kind of alluded last week to at the tail end of chapter 1, it says that they were going back to Bethlehem Judah during barley harvesting uh, season, right? Going back during the season uh, that was literally the time where they would be able to have provisions for themselves. And so not only did the Lord provide the right time, but he provided the right person for them to meet who was literally a part of Elimelech's family. Let's continue. Ruth the Moabitess asks Naomi. Watch this. I think this is incredible. Ruth asks Naomi. Remember, Naomi, was, is, she's the bitter one. The Lord has abandoned us, but she's still the elder She's still the one that Naomi is deferring to, even in this situation and scenario. Oh my, our lights are going out. Is our live stream okay? Okay, good. Uh, But even in this situation and in this scenario uh, where, that's weird, isn't it? Um, in, this, in this scenario uh, where Naomi is the one who's struggling, Ruth still defers. And so she says to, to Ruth, I'm sorry, Naomi says, uh, Ruth says to Naomi, oh my goodness, uh, these lights are distracting me. <laughs> she says this, will you let me go into the fields? 
and gather fallen grain behind someone whom I find favor? Naomi answered her, go ahead, my daughter. So Ruth left and entered the field to gather grain behind the harvesters. She happened to be in a portion of the field belonging to Boaz. She happened, I love the way the wording of this plays out, right? The narrator's, he's kind of funny. Uh, So uh, she happens to be in this portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was from Elimelech's family. Is that happenstance? I don't think so. Verse 4, later when Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, he said to the harvesters, the Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they replied. Boaz asked his servants, who's in charge of the harvesters? Whose young woman is this? Speaking about Ruth. And the servant answered, she's the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the territory of Moab. She asked, will you let me gather the fallen grain among the bundles behind the harvesters? She came and and has been on her feet since early in the morning, except that she rested a little in in the shelter. Then Boaz said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, literally responding to her as if she were his own, this this term of endearment, don't go and gather grain in another field, don't leave this one, but stay here close to my female servants, so which uh, see which field they are harvesting and follow them. Haven't I ordered the young men not to touch you? When you are thirsty, go and drink from the jars the young men have filled. She fell face down bowed to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor with you so that you notice me, although I am a foreigner? Don't miss that. Boaz answered her, everything you've done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me. How you left your father and mother in your native land, how you came to a people you did not previously know. May the Lord reward you for what you have done. May you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel, under whose, watch this, wings you have come for refuge. My Lord, she said, I have found favor with you, for you have comforted and encouraged your servant, although I am not like one of your female servants. At mealtime, Boaz told her, come over here and have some bread, dip it in the vinegar sauce. So she was like Olive Garden. So she sat down beside the harvesters and, and he offered her, no, it was like macaroni grill. That's what it was like. Can you believe those things went out of business? Isn't that terrible? I liked macaroni grill. I think most of them went out of business, didn't they? Dip it in the, in the oil. Anyway, uh, Olive Garden, what was I saying? Anyway, <laughs> um, she ate and, sat and was satisfied and had some left over. When she got up to gather grain, Boaz ordered his young men, let even... Uh, her gather grain among the bundles and don't humiliate her. Pull out some stalks from the bundles for her and leave them for her to gather. Don't rebuke her. So Ruth gathered grain in the field until evening. She beat out what she had gathered and it was about 26 quarts of barley. She picked up the grain, went into town where her mother-in-law saw she had gleaned. And when she brought out what she had left over from her meal and gave it to her, her mother-in-law said to her, where did you gather barley today? Where did you work? May the Lord bless the man. Uh She's talking about the Lord now. May the Lord bless the man who noticed you. Ruth told her mother-in-law, whom she had worked with, and said, the name of of the man I worked with today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, watch this, may the Lord bless him. Because he has not abandoned his kindness to the living or the dead. Don't miss that. Naomi continued, The man is a close relative. 
He's one of our family redeemers. Ruth the Moabitess said, he also told me, stay with my young men until you have finished all my harvest. So Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, my daughter, it is good for you to work with his female servants so that nothing will happen to you in another field. Ruth stayed close to Boaz's female servants and gathered grain until the barley and the wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. What a turn of events. What a turn of events. They literally left Elimelech and Naomi to go to a land so that they could reap a harvest. Ten years uh, went by. Ten years, nothing to show for it except loss, heartache, tragedy, and trauma. Only to return to Bethlehem, Judah, where they left uh, from the beginning to their homeland, uh, to the land of their God, to be blessed, to be encouraged, and to be filled with the things that they were after from the beginning. Let's walk through this together. What time we got? 7.04. I got 10 minutes. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, when, look, you're, you're in the comfort of your own home. You're sitting in your easy chair, except the blessed few here. Uh, you know, you better not sign off. Uh, this is, I know it'll be here later, but uh, you, you've got the comfort of your home. Stay with us right here, and we'll, we'll get through this. Mm-mm-mm-mm. The coffee's good today. Uh, When tragedy or trauma, listen to this, when tragedy or trauma happens in your life, what will anchor you spiritually? Look, you know it's coming. I know some are experiencing it and have experienced it right now on this call. Some of you are dealing with it right now in your life, but guess what? If you're not dealing with it, you will. Tragedy and trauma is common for you. Uh, This world is an imperfect world, and we are going to struggle with those things until the day we die. When it happens, not if, when it happens, how will you anchor yourself spiritually? Will you seek, watch this, will you seek a change? Will what is easiest direct your steps out of the situation? Some of you that have engaged in trauma and engaged in tragedy, uh, not even of your own making, but have you picked the path of least resistance to exit from that? Job or female Job Naomi, how did they uh, choose to navigate their trauma? How's Ruth choosing to navigate her trauma of losing uh, her husband? How will you choose? Will your long-term posterity be the motivation for your decision? How many of us will, once again, over and over, the Lord has provided, but we will move again because we know that the grass is greener, and we think that it is greener over there or over there, or we got to go here. Look, the Lord can provide no matter what and has promised to do so. What will guide your exit from the tragedy and trauma? Because you, you can't stay there. You can't live in it, Eeyore. There's got to be a shift. There's got to be a change, Right? How, what's your exit strategy? Well, remember, Ruth made a decision to be loyal without concern of either of these. Posterity, without concern uh, really uh, of, of the long-term effects that it was going to have on her life. She didn't even take those things into consideration. She valued, watch this, she valued her relationship with Naomi more than her posterity. Ruth was the reason that Naomi had a chance at all. 
I got a couple of just like, this isn't the message, but it's just some helpful tidbits as we're walking through this passage. A couple of things, helpful thoughts, not the message, helpful thoughts that I see. The first helpful thought is this, make sure that there is someone in your tribe that will carry you through spiritually. Make sure that there is somebody in your tribe that will carry you through spiritually. I I know you're going to go through it. And some of you, if you're going through it right now, know that I love you and know that I'm praying you through it. Uh, But if you're not, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before trauma and tragedy uh, seeks to rename, seeks to take you from kind and pleasant to bitter. It's only a matter of time. So what if, Naomi didn't have her Ruth. What if right now you're walking through a difficult season by yourself? It's a helpful thought to find someone uh, to be in your tribe that will help you and lead you through spiritually. It's helpful. That almost sounds like a church gathering, doesn't it? It almost sounds like what you're doing right now and putting it in the comments and being here and logging on, even virtually. Uh, but, But it sounds like a Wednesday night, Mike. It sounds like a time when you are putting yourself in a place where others can walk you through spiritually. You're going to want that. Here's another helpful thought. Be respectful and considerate of leadership, especially when they're going through a difficult season. Value the constructs that the Lord has created rather than defying them for not being perfect. Giving grace is shown through chain of command in humility at home, at work, at church. You're saying, where, where do you see that? The example that the beginning of this chapter starts off by Ruth saying, Naomi, can I go glean? It's a given that, that, that Ruth needs to go out and find food. It's a given that there's a, a law built in uh, in Deuteronomy that we'll read in a moment that allows her to go glean and go pick up food uh, for the sake of them surviving. But what does she do? She stops and she asks permission. Some of you, helpful thought here, number two, some of you, because leadership is struggling, because Naomi is in a place where she was once kind and now bitter, you ignore leadership. You ignore headship. Many of you, your parents are going through a difficult time. Your boss, your leaders, your pastor, me, our leaders here at the church, your small group leader, when they're going through a difficult time, that doesn't mean you still don't go to them and honor headship. Wives, just because your husband is going through a difficult time doesn't mean you ignore him. Doesn't mean you circumvent someone who is leading in your life. Hi, good to see you guys. It doesn't mean that you circumvent that leadership. Look, Ruth knew that she was the one holding the relationship together. Ruth knew that it was her spiritual life that kept kept everything in position. And she says, Naomi, Can I still go out? One of the biggest mistakes that we make is because we're doing better than our leaders is alienating ourselves from our leaders. That's a huge mistake. Headship and biblical authority is there for a reason, for a purpose. And I promise you, whatever the situation is, Ruth was going to need Naomi in the future, the very next chapter. Ruth was going to need the wisdom, even though there's times when a leader and a pastor or a, or, or, or a husband might not be right with the Lord. Stay in that relationship. Don't abandon it. She asks, can I go gather barley? She keeps within that biblical headship, even when her leader was struggling. Man, I love that. 
So here we're introduced to another character in chapter 2, and his name is Boaz. We see that he is, a, uh, and this is all in the program, by the way, we, we see that he is family to Elimelech, Naomi's late husband, chapter 2, verse 1. We see that he is a wealthy landowner, chapter 2, verse 1. We see that he is a spiritual man, chapter 2, verse 4. We see that he is a very kind and gracious man, chapter 2, verse 8. Mm-hmm. What was his name? His name was Boaz. His name was Boaz. Say his name. His name was Boaz. <laughs> uh, don't miss that. Ruth, once again, asking Naomi if she can go and gather. Here, here's where that's in line with. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 19 through 21, allots the leftovers of a harvested field as provisions. I love this. I couldn't love this anymore. The, the leftovers of a harvested field as provisions for the poor, including the widows. Harvesters were supposed to allow the poor to pick up the grain that fell during the harvested times. Those scriptures read like this. When you reap the harvest in your field and you forget a sheaf in the field, do not go back and get it. It is to be left for the resident, watch this, alien. In other words, those that were not from their country. Do you understand that scripture in the Old Testament always, always gives uh, a way of salvation for the stranger? The Lord in every era, in every covenant, old covenant, new covenant, whether you're a dispensationalist, whatever, in every dispensation, he has given a way for the outsider. Even during an exclusive religion that was just the children of Israel, he gives a way for the outsider. Even in the, not to give away the farm, but even in the genealogies, which we're going to see next week. Understand that the Lord gives away the whole incredible story of Ruth. She's not a Jew. She's an outsider. She's an alien. And Deuteronomy made provision for her. And and, and she understands that. Man, we, we could preach that all day. The gospel is for everyone. It is for everyone. So Ruth asks Naomi if she can go and gather. She ends up gathering in the field that is owned by Boaz, a man that is a relative of her late father-in-law. Unbelievable. I, have the, I, have, I wrote this beside those verses. Providence. That's providence. Verse number 10, right there in chapter 2, it says she fell face down bowed to the ground and said to him, why have, I, why have I found favor with you so that you notice me, although I am a foreigner, although she is a stranger? Boaz answered her, everything that you've done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me. How you left your father and mother in your native land and how you came to the people that you didn't previously know. Watch this, verse 12. May the Lord reward you for what you have done. May you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Now remember this scripture. I'm gonna just tie this all together. Remember this scripture from chapter one. You ready? Chapter one, it says this in verse 16. Ruth told Naomi, don't plead with me to abandon you. 
or to return and not follow you. Wherever you go, I will go. Remember the song we sang last week? Where you go, I'll go, right? Here it is. Where, where you go, I'll go. Where you live, I'll live. And your people will be my people. And this statement echoes into chapter 2. And your God will be my God. Oh, my goodness gracious. What happens in chapter 2? What happens is Ruth's decision in chapter 1 comes to fruition in chapter 2. You see, when you make a decision to follow God, He sees, He hears, He knows. And no matter where you are in life, no matter what you're going through, He sees you. He makes good on every promise. Every promise. She says, Naomi, she makes the, de the decision to be decisively loyal to her. But when she did that, she was making a decision to be loyal to God. We'll come back to that. The Bible says in Psalms 36, verse 7, watch this. How priceless your faithful love is. <clears throat> the psalmist says this. How priceless your faithful love is, God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. The psalmist describes our God as a God that stretches forth his wings and covers us. The righteous, the Bible says, run into him and are safe. Naomi, understand that Ruth, rather, when she makes the decision to be loyal to Naomi, she is loyal to her God, and she says, your God will be my God. Did she even understand the implications of that? Absolutely not. Why? Because when she went into the field, she didn't even understand that the field she was going into was a family member of her late husband. She didn't even understand at that point, but that man looked at her, and that man understood her sacrifice. He saw her in her pain. He saw her in her tragedy and in her trauma, and Boaz knew who was going to make the difference. He says, may the Lord our God. Oh, my goodness. May he grant you your reward. Unbelievable. Look, this is my, I don't know about you, but this gets me up in the morning. This gets me going right here. This declaration that the Lord's wings were covering her, and she didn't even know it. Oh, my goodness. Last week, our application focused on Naomi and her needing help, if you remember, last week. Naomi and her needing help. But I want to point out this week some ob observations from Ruth's perspective here in chapter 2. So from this story, I want to point out two things. And then we'll, we'll bring it home with Naomi's response because I think it's really good. <clears throat> here we are. Look at it. The first thing I want to point out, here's the first thing. Making the decision, don't miss this. Making the decision to follow Naomi was making a decision to follow God. And it wasn't the logical move. Let me say that again. Making a decision from Ruth's perspective, chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. Making the decision to follow Naomi, Miss Cindy, it wasn't the logical decision, but it was a decision to follow God. What, Pastor? I'm telling you. Look at it in verse 16, chapter 1. And your God will be my God. Here's where we can really take ownership of this passage. Here's where we can really sink our teeth into this. Tragedy 
and trauma will always seek to redefine you. But when you decide to take that next step, decide to take the next step following the Lord. When she said, where you go, I will go. Where you stand, what she's saying is, I'm deciding to go back to the land of Yahweh, the God of Israel. I know we're going back to Bethlehem, Judah. I don't know that God. He's not my personal God. He hasn't been, but from this day forward, he will be. Understand this. You have a choice in life. You will either choose to follow God or you will choose to follow the gods of this world. That's it. And, and, and it's really that simple. It's really that simple. You're either going to go away from him or you're going to run into him. And what happens is she chose to run into him. And when the righteous run into him, they are safe. But here's what I want to point out in this point. The, the perspective on this, it wasn't the logical move. The logical move we discussed last week would have been to go find a husband. Would have been to go back to her homeland. But there was something deeper. There was something drawing her to the Lord. And she said, your God will be my God. Do you understand that was the greatest decision of her life? The greatest decision of her life was to say, Naomi, and, and we won't know all the implications until the next two weeks, right? Really next week, but... The implications were incredible, that, that decision she made. But it all boils down to this. She made a decision to follow the Lord. What will you do? Well, I'd go with the logical decision. What's up with Christians? I mean, why would they give money to a church? What's up with Christians? Why do they continue to go and gather? God's not real. Look, more and more I'm seeing these YouTube posts and these modern-day philosophers and scholars, everybody wants to deny that Jesus is God. Everybody wants to say, that's just something that they're clinging to. That's just something that uh, it comforts them, and so that's the, the placeholder, if you will, for their fear. They just put it in God, this, this God. No. He is real. <laughs> he is our God. He left heaven and came to earth for you and for me. He gives purpose to our pain. He wasn't a God that, that decided to subject all of his followers to that pain, and he himself didn't go through. He himself became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. He is, Jesus is absolutely different than any other person claiming to be God on this planet. He is God. He is the true supreme being of the universe. And here, here's what I'm saying. It's not always the logical decision to follow him. In this moment, she watches her other sister-in-law go back to her homeland and not in a bad, it, it wasn't like a, a bad thing. Orpah goes back and Naomi says, God bless you, Go. I, I hope the best for you. The logical decision would be Naomi I'm sorry, would be Ruth going back to her homeland, but she makes a decision to follow Naomi, which was making the decision to follow God. And I know if you're watching this message today, there is something in your life right now that you're facing, and there's a decision to make. There's what you think is the logical decision, and then there's the right one, and that's following the Lord.
Maybe you're watching today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus ever. You've never decided to follow the Lord. Today, you should make the decision to give your life to Jesus. Today, like right now. It's the best. Well, I don't think that's the most logical decision. You will one day. You'll see it. You'll understand it. When his, when his goodness and his grace comes to fruition in your life like it did in Roots, you'd be like, oh my goodness, I should have done this a long time ago. But, but I, I want to take you back. We're not that far from chapter 1. I want to take you back to the, the, the chapter 1 part, verse 16, where she had everything to lose and a potential life to gain. And she said, for, for whoever will lose their life for my sake, they will find it. She echoes the gospel in this Old Testament passage. She echoes the idea of picking up her cross. She echoes the idea of saying, yes, this is logical to go, but I'm going to do the illogical thing, and I'm going to say, your God will be my God. And then watch what happens. Some of y'all, look, just from a practical perspective, you have a decision that you need to make in the new year. It might not be the logical one that you need to make. It might not. Well, that's dumb, pastor. (laughs) Not really. Not really. If the Lord's given you peace about it, run. Go for it. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a miracle, then make a move that requires a miracle. If you're looking for a miracle, then make a move that requires a miracle. Lord, I want to see a miracle. But you've been eating the same bowl of Cheerios for 10 years. (laughs) Lord, I want a miracle. Doing the same thing. Going back to the same bowl of Cheerios. You know what I mean. It's not about the bowl of Cheerios. If you want to eat Cheerios, God bless you, eat Cheerios. I'm saying just keep doing the same thing over and over again, and you don't need a miracle. Keep doing the same thing over and over again, and the Lord will continue to be where he is. Why don't you do something crazy? Why don't you say, I think I'm going to step on out of the boat. I think that the water is scary, and of course it's scary, and I absolutely will probably sink. That's the logical thing that I should understand. I step out of said boat, my said feet go through said water, and I said drown. But that's not how it worked. You see, faith is the great equalizer of the illogical. It's the great equalizer, and the Lord loves that. He's like, "Uh uh-huh, you're a Moabitess woman. Uh Uh-huh, you want to go with Naomi? I got you, girl. You see, in Deuteronomy, I made a place for a stranger a long time ago. You see, you're looking for the Lord to do something. You're asking Yahweh, the God of Israel. You're saying she's, her God's going to be your God. Oh, my goodness. I got you, girl. I got you. I got you, babe. Go on, step out. Go on with yourself. Look at it. Here, she makes the decision to follow Naomi, but she's making the decision to follow God. Boaz said, oh my goodness, I love this. Here's what Boaz said. Boaz said, may the Lord reward you for what you have done. Here's what I have in, in verse number, er, number two. <laughs> number two and final, don't miss this. Oh my goodness, this, gets, this one's good. Ruth saw herself as a foreigner. Look at verse 11 of chapter two. Look at verse 11. Boaz answered, Everything you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me. How you left your father and mother, your native land, and how you came to a people you did not previously know. Everything you have done for your mother-in-law, your husband's death. 
May the Lord, verse 12, reward you. (laughs) What do I see here? Ruth saw herself as a foreigner. She says, I'm a foreigner. You want me to go with your servants? You want me to stay in your field? You want me to eat over there? You, you want me to gather this? You want, I get that? You, you understand I'm not from around her. Around, around her. <laughs> you understand I'm not from around here. There it is. Ruth's, I'm, man, that fast, Mike. It's about this time, it's kicking in. I'm like, how about breakfast, lunch? Nope. <laughs> Ruth saw herself as, as a foreigner. But the Lord clearly saw her as a daughter. (laughs) All of Boaz's responses in verse 11 were about her position in the family. (laughs) Here's what I want you to understand today. You may see yourself as a foreigner, but God sees you as a son and as a daughter. How am I to put my faith and trust in a God that I don't know? He knows you. He has a place right there reserved at the table. The family of God is ready. If you say your God will be my God, you're a son and you're a daughter. She said, why am I getting this favor? I don't understand. How am I going home with all this food? How am I walking alongside your lady servants? I'm not like them. Yes, you are. Watch this, Ruth. My name is Boaz, and I understand how the Lord works. I've been around a long time. He's a a wise man. He's a gracious man. And he says, you see, here's what happened. You know what this kind of feels like? Remember the Santa Claus? That's like my favorite movie, right? Anybody love the Santa Claus? The three people that are here. I love the Santa Claus, right? Tim Allen is like the worst Santa ever in the beginning, right? He comes out of the house, and Charlie's like, Dad! It's kind of an annoying voice, you know. Dad, just put on the suit, Dad. He's like, Arr! and all of his comments are the greatest thing ever. I love Tim Allen, right? So, but he, he puts on the suit, and then what happens? He changes. He becomes Santa. But it takes him a while. He's like, I don't fit this thing. And, and remember Judy and the hot chocolate. Oh, it was just a bad dream. And then the next day he wakes up, and his beard comes out, and his belly starts to show, right? He put the suit on. He made the decision. And then Bernard or Barabbas or, uh, or, right? That's my favorite part of the whole movie. He says, look at the fine print on the card, you know? And they put the card under the magnifying glass and it says, basically, if you put the suit on, you're the new Santa. Even though he knew that he didn't want that and, and it wasn't him and he just makes toys. No, 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 no. You put the suit on, that's what's gonna happen. And here's the thing. Ruth she makes the declaration. She just takes the step. She just says, I'm going to be loyal to you, and we're going to go, and, and, and your God judge me. She didn't know God. Your God judge me if I ever leave you. And Boaz brings clarity in chapter 2, and he says, do you understand that when you made the decision, I've heard about your story before you ever got here. Boaz is like Bernard in this story. He says, I I know about your decision. And she's like, what decision? (laughs) What are you talking about? It was my mother-in-law. I loved her. I I felt an impulse to follow her. (laughs) No, no, no. No, when you declared your loyalty to her, you declared your loyalty to her God. And her God will never leave you. Her God will always reward you. Her God will always come through. And she's like, oh my gosh. I, 
I saw myself as a foreigner, but God saw me as a daughter. Some of you need to realize this morning, you're sitting in this position. Tragedy and trauma is seeking to redefine who you are, and maybe you've even given way to that. But understand that sovereignly there is a God that if you choose and have chosen to follow him a long time ago, he's always there every step of the way. In whatever season you're in, don't let the devil use fear, shame, and guilt to keep you away from God. Know that the Lord is working his plan. Know that the Lord is working this thing out. How do you know that? Because he always works it out for his sons and daughters. He never leaves. He always makes provision. And so Ruth begins to experience what it's like to be a son and daughter. You know, it'd be a real shame for us to live with our tragedy and trauma and never take that next step to be a son or daughter. Many of you have have decided that you're gonna follow the Lord and follow Jesus, but you're not living like it. You're still living redefined by tragedy and trauma. But did I tell you about, but did I tell you that God's been walking you, walking with you rather, through every step of it? Have I told you that you see yourself as a foreigner in church? You see yourself as a foreigner in the plan of God, but he sees you as a son and as a daughter. Mm, 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 mm. When Ruth comes home with all the blessings from the day, Naomi knows the tides have turned. She knows that the, 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 chain, the winds of change are in the air. Listen, church. She says something profound. Let me, let me give you this first. Naomi says this. She says, may the Lord bless him. Talking about Boaz. Because he has not abandoned his kindness. Naomi, kindness. Naomi, pleasantness. Naomi says, the Lord has not abandoned his kindness. What is she saying? The Lord hasn't abandoned me. The Lord hasn't abandoned his kindness. If you look at that and you kind of brush over it real quick, you're like, well, yeah, the Lord's kind to them. No, what she is saying is that the Lord hasn't abandoned me. As you have found your place as a son or daughter, I have now redefined mine. I'm no longer Mara, but I'm what? Naomi again. You have no idea what your decision to be loyal will mean for someone else. You have no idea. It could be the very thing that that person needed. That's why we gather together. That's why we're here. We need each other. We need you to make the the right decision to follow the Lord. And when you do that, you may help someone else redefine themselves as a son or daughter. I put this here. It says, Naomi, (laughs) remember this? Chapter 1, verse 20. This says, Naomi, she said this. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. She answered, for the Almighty has made me very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord opposed me and the Almighty has afflicted me? And then I wrote this at the end of the program. Also, Naomi, chapter 2, verse 20. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may the Lord bless him. 
because he has not abandoned his kindness to the living or the dead. Naomi continued, the man is a close relative. He is one of our family redeemers. And we're going to get into that next week. But I want to leave you with this scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 through 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor any else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Make the decision to follow the Lord. You might not see it today. You might not see it. You might view yourself as a foreigner, but he views you as a son or daughter. It's twofold today. Number one, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, right now, declare your loyalty to him. Right now in this moment, pray something like, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Because of my sin, I deserve to go to hell. But Jesus, please save me. Give me a home in heaven when I die. Give me a relationship with Jesus Christ. Give me his righteousness as he takes my sin from me. Something like that. Declare your loyalty to him and and walk away from the gods of this world. If you're a believer, if you have decided to follow him a long time ago, but you've left that calling, it's time to come back. It's time to view yourself as a son or daughter again. It's time you be a Ruth for someone else. It's time that you pick up the phone and maybe make that phone call that you should have done a long time ago. You reconcile the abandonment that's happened and you say, hey, I'm going to follow again. Whatever that is, whoever that is, you know, I don't know. Let the Spirit of God work in our midst today. Thanks for tuning in for this message on the Bethlehem Church Podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. If you want to know more about us, feel free to check out our website at Bethlehemchurch.cc. And also in every message that we publish, you'll find our sermon notes in the description. And we hope that you'll study these topics further. We'll see you next time.